and then there were none meets I Know What You Did Last Summer. I'm talking about The Engagement Party by Darby Kane, our first book up for discussion. Hello and welcome to Talk Bookish to Me, the podcast where readers gather to talk about books, share recommendations, and chase that five-star feeling. I'm your host, Gwen, and today I'm joined by Stephanie Lopez to discuss this new twisty thriller by Darby Kane. Thanks for joining me today, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me, Gwen, um, and hello to everybody. Uh, my name is Stephanie. I'm currently on Instagram as my book club name, Lit in the City. I love to read just about everything, uh, but mostly double, dabble, I dabble into romance, thriller, and horror. All of the good genres. <laughs> yes! <laughs> um, we're going to jump right into the discussion, and we will be spoiling the book. So if you haven't read it yet, I suggest waiting until you have before listening to this episode. All book discussions are announced on Instagram prior to the discussion. You can also leave a voicemail sharing your thoughts on the book, and I will include those on the podcast. So make sure you follow me on Instagram at TalkBookishPodcast to stay up to date on when the next discussion is happening and the deadline for the voicemails. All right, so before we get started with our actual thoughts, let's go ahead and do a brief synopsis. So for The Engagement Party by Darby Kane, we have Emily Hunt, who went missing from her affluent liberal arts college on graduation weekend. Her body was found floating in a river and a quiet loner who most people on campus really didn't know committed suicide. A tenuous link, one text, bound the two dead students together and was enough for law enforcement to close the case. But they got it wrong and now someone is determined to set it right. 12 years later, college friends gather to celebrate an engagement over a long overdue getaway on a swanky private island in Maine with only one way in and one way out. You have Sierra Prescott, who is invited as a guest, and she is unconnected to the past events. And she seems like the only person who senses that not all is what it seems. The tension in the air is ignited when they find a dead man in the trunk of a car with a note that says, time to tell the truth. And then from there, things only get worse. Then a torrential storm blows in and it strands everybody together. And then the group's buried stories begin to surface and secrets are bartered. To survive this deadly party, they'll need to stop a killer before they become the prey. So it sounds like awesome story. It's very much and then there were none vibes being cut off and all of that. But now let's talk a little bit about the author Darby Kane. And Darby Kane is actually the pseudonym of Helen K. Demon, a formal trial attorney and current award winning romantic suspense author, a native of Pennsylvania. Darby now lives in California and runs from the cold. And when she's not writing, she can be found watching suspense thrillers and mysteries. I also do not like the cold and I also love watching suspense thrillers and mysteries. Um, so I always like to gauge like where you're coming into this discussion. Have you read any other books by the author? Will you read any of their future releases based on your experience with this book? Yeah, um, actually, The Engagement Party is the first book I read from Darby Kane. And for the most part, I just tend to read more than one book from an author, whether I enjoyed it or not. Um, just because either one, I like to give them a second chance or two, I just like to binge their backlist. So yeah, I think I will. Yeah, that's good. Um, I've only read one other 
um, Darby Kane book. It was their debut. It was called Pretty Little Wife. And it was a book of the month pick, which is why I picked it up. It was the thriller book of the month pick. So I'm like, okay, add to cart. Um, it came out in December of 2020. I read it in February of 2021. And I overall enjoyed it. And I will continue to pick up books by the author. So that's positive for both of us. Yay, <laughs> we're off to a good start. So who would you recommend this book to? Are there any other books you can compare it to? Um, So I think this is a good book for anyone who enjoys a murder mystery whodunit type of deal. You know, I personally have not read a thriller like this with this subgenre. So um, so it was different for me. Um, I thought it'd be fun to get out of my comfort zone. The whole I know what you did last summer vibe was very intriguing since I do enjoy horror elements mixed with my thrillers. So I was looking forward to this book for sure. Yeah, anyone looking for another <laughs> and then there were none storyline. Also, if you like stories about college reunions with lots of secrets coming to light, you might enjoy it. So some other books I would suggest for the and then there were none trope. There are more, but these are the ones I would suggest. <laughs> the Guest List by Lucy Foley, One by One by Ruth Ware, Daisy Darker by Alice Feeney, Ten by Gretchen McNeil, and They All Fall Down by Rachel Housel Hall. And if you're looking for a book about a college reunion with lots of secrets coming to light, I would suggest In My Dreams I Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead. All right, now let's jump into the characters. What did you think about, number one, the amount of characters? And were there any that you liked or disliked? And also, did you have any theories of whodunit? Um, so I usually don't have a hard time keeping up with the characters, but this one was actually pretty tough with, for me. Uh, for some reason, most of the main characters kept bleeding into each other. Um, I think the only character I liked was Mitch. No one else was likable whatsoever, in my opinion. And it's funny because I love trying to figure out who the killer is while reading. And I just couldn't figure this one out. <clears throat> Sorry. Love, and I love that aspect of this book, not knowing, because I love to chase that question. Yeah, you're like, okay, who did do it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know that anytime I'm reading a book with this trope, there's going to be a lot of characters. And I'm actually going to show Stephanie right now. So I actually kept my character list digitally um, using this app called Notability. It's something new that I'm trying this year. And literally, <laughs> the character list and the notes that I took for this book are all <laughs> like, I love just, that. It was crazy. But I had to do it because I knew there were going to be a lot of characters. And I will get hung up if I don't keep a character list. So I definitely did that. And I plan to continue doing that for the rest of the book discussions for the podcast. <laughs> um, I so I immediately started my character list, I ended up with 18 characters. But there are six mainish characters with also you have of those, you know, six mainish characters, you get three different POVs, plus you get the book notes chapters. Um, so it was a lot. And anybody that did not keep notes, like, props to you because I needed my notes. <laughs> and it did even with my notes, I did refer to them often because I felt like it took me a while to grasp because they kind of paired people together. You had the, like the engaged couple, this other couple, and then someone they weren't dating, but they were like a business partners or something. So it was like they were in groups, but you it was like who goes with who and you know, I don't know. 
So I was just really glad I kept notes. Um, my favorite couple was Sierra and Mitch. They weren't actually a couple. They were the business partners. But um, I really didn't like Will and Ruthie or Alex and Cassie. But I think that's how the author wanted me to feel about those characters. So good job, you know. Um, and as for the whodunit, I did not have any theories. I really don't go into this type of story trying to guess whodunit. But if I was trying to guess, like you, I probably not... I would not have guessed correctly. So I'm glad I just kind of went with it. And um, did you have any like a preferred POV? And did you think the multiple POVs were necessary? Um, Yeah, I do believe multiple POVs are necessary for these type of stories, as long as the main characters are unique, so that they don't bleed into each other. Um, It gives great insight on what they're thinking. And sometimes you can pick up on clues on who the killer is. Um, Because I didn't care too much about the POVs in this book. Um, it was really hard to understand where it was going. But except for Mitch, I really, really liked his POV. Yeah. Yeah. I do find it hard when it does have multiple POVs and you don't like, like even when there's multiple timelines in a book, which this book kind of has, but not really. But if you like one timeline more than the other, if you like one POV, you kind of like, you kind of zone out in the other parts. Um, like you, I agree. I think the multiple POVs were necessary and enjoyable. However, it's I thought it was interesting the ones that we got. So we have Sierra, who's not connected to anyone other than Mitch. And she was the only one who knew that they needed to get out of there. So I appreciated that she was aware that things were not right. And then I also liked Ruthie's POV because I felt like we were finding stuff out in her chapters for obvious reasons. And then I really could have done without Alex because he was super annoying to me. Like, could not stand Alex. <laughs> I was like, when is Alex dying? When is Alex dying? Yeah. <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. Um, all right. What about the setting? Did you think it was well written? Was it atmospheric? And like, could you picture it? Like what was going on and what it looked like? Yeah, um, I did like the setting and I did enjoy how atmospheric it was. I feel like Darby did a great job pulling all those dark elements that give you that eerie feeling. I really did feel like I was almost getting cabin fever because of how isolated it was. Yes, I do love an yeah. isolated thriller. And um, so the story is set in a house in Maine, which gets cut off by the rising tides during the storm. And I thought the wind and the rain added to the atmosphere in a fun way. I mean, of course, it had to be a dark and stormy night, you know, like it could have been like a bright sunshine spring day, like it just wouldn't have worked. Um, okay, so how are you feeling about the story initially? Like just the first couple of chapters? How are you feeling going into the story? Um, so the story started off strong, for sure, which made it interesting to indulge in um, the story at the beginning. Um, I really enjoy getting a body as soon as they got to the house. Um, and I was really looking forward to Mitch's and Emily's story. Um, I just feel like I wanted more background information on them. And I feel like we start off really strong and really fast paced. Yeah, there are initially a lot of characters, like I said, to wrap your head around. And I was glad I took notes so that I could reference like who was who, how everybody was connected. The chapters were extremely short. So we arrive at the house, like you're introduced to all of the characters, and you're already at the house on page 30. 
and then it just goes from there. So it was a very quick start. You didn't get, you got like a sentence or two, how these people were connected. And then you didn't really find out until like the main, like in the meat of the story, like that's when they started showing like how they knew each other and how they were connected. And it was like, I kind of wish I would have got a little bit more of that in the beginning. So I agree with that. So for the pacing and the plot, I thought I would just, you know, go down the list of like some of the major things that happened. And then we'll just kind of comment on like what we thought about it. So um, basically, it starts with learning about the death of Emily 12 years previously. And that kind of threw me off, to be honest. And <laughs> um, then we start getting to know the characters, they've received their invitations to the engagement party, and they're talking um, through why or why not they should attend. Um, and then almost as soon as they arrived at the house, we have the first body in the car in the garage with the first threatening note. And it was Tyler, he was the body in the car and then this police officer shows up named Dylan um later of course we find out he's not a cop and then of course there's the cell phone jammer so they're on this search for the cell phone jammer and then that's when they find all of these creepy pictures like tons of pictures of Emily which I thought was weird and I'm like why did they never go back to that because that was really creepy um, of course, the power goes out, the generator doesn't come on, Alex is attacked. I was kind of loving that part. Jake's body is discovered in the shed. And Jake is this other person that they're kind of connected to from the past. But like, that was a gruesome scene. There was a beheading y'all. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It was wild. I was like, she went there with the description, like the rolling of the head. I was like, okay, ma'am. <laughs> I was low-key loving that just because I do love horror. Yeah. And so I was like, yes. Yeah, I was kind of wanting, I mean, as gruesome as she went in that scene, I was thinking we would get a little bit more of that. But that was pretty much the worst part of it, like, quote unquote, worst gruesome part or whatever. Yeah. And sure. of course, uh, much later, the group notices that Dylan has returned and they see him get shot while he's searching the shed. So they kind of see this, you know, person off in the distance. and They're like, oh, it's the cop. Oh, he's going to the shed. They'll see the body and he'll come help us. And then they see him get shot. But then, of course, it's all fake and they find out that he's not a police officer. And then from there, we just have secrets spilling left and right. The guests are trying to make it off the island alive. And we're still trying to find out who the villain is and who ultimately killed Emily. <laughs> like, it was just... Right. Everything in one... Just in one time. It was just like, boom. <laughs> like, I just couldn't handle it. Um, so how did you feel about that? Like, just the pacing, the plot overall, like, what were you thinking? I just feel like the pacing was great. It was really fast paced, especially in the beginning. As I said earlier, it started off really strong. Uh, somewhere in the middle and towards the end, I feel like I lost just a little bit of interest. I don't know if it was because there was a lot going on and my head couldn't wrap around it or if it was because now we're just going around in circles, if that makes sense. And it's not really getting somewhere. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what it was, but I did like the pacing for sure. I do think the pacing was great. Having short chapters and multiple POVs kept the story moving and me guessing. The plot itself, like, like I said, it wasn't unique. It's definitely inspired by And Then There Were None. I know what you did last summer and other similar stories. But what I did like was that the book notes chapters that was like something different and unique I thought it was a fresh take that the story needed because we didn't know exactly what those portions in the story were until like much later and I wasn't really even thinking about it I just kind of went with it <laughs> you know and then when we got the reveal of that I was like oh okay I was just vibing 
Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, so I thought we could talk about a few of the twists and reveals along the way. Um, I didn't mark the page number, but fairly early on, we're told that Ruthie is playing Will. She's not in love with him. She's doing this for nefarious reasons. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I wasn't shocked. Um, I would have liked for the reason why she was playing that part to be more clever and a little bit more shocking. I wasn't surprised. I expected the story to have many layers. I was basically ready for anything and everything to go wrong in this story. So I was like, no surprise there. Now, this one, what I think was my most shocking thing in the whole book, and it only came on page 55. So very near the beginning of the book. Um, Mitch's best friend, Tyler, the guy that was found in the car, and his mom, Mitch's mom, Esme, killed his dad. What did you think about that? I, I love this part of the book, and I was hoping for a bigger, for it to play a bigger part in the story than it actually did. Um, very much looking forward to much more of this. And I was actually hoping that it has something to do with Emily or something. I totally agree. I mean, like I said, this was the most shocking to me. I could have read an entire book about this because it was just his best friend and his mom killed his dad. And like, this was definitely a red herring that did not point to the killer. Like this was just something thrown in there. Like, oh, look at this other side story. But I was like, I'm interested in this side story. <laughs> me too. Um, make a novella. Yeah, exactly. Make it a novella. And um, on page 159, Ruthie admits to writing earlier threats notes, but now someone else is leaving them. So we did find out, okay, Ruthie's guilty. She's a part of this, but okay, now someone else is a part of it. Yeah, um, I was a little confused and maybe shocked because I wasn't expecting to be another person. I only thought was going to be one bad guy, quote unquote. Yeah, I thought she was leaving all of them. So I was confused, like, okay, who else is in on it? Um, okay, what about on page 204, when Dylan didn't need the boat because he was already on the island? And just for reference, Dylan is the cop, fake cop. <laughs> yeah, because when he arrives, they were like, what happened to your boat? And he's like, I didn't need the boat. I was already on the island. I don't know if this is around the time that I lost just a little bit of interest because it was a little bit towards the end, like middle end, um, or if so much was happening at the same time. But I honestly don't even remember this scene. At first, um, they noticed him back on the island and walking to the shed. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. I mean, at that point, I still didn't think he had anything to do with it. I thought maybe he came back to check on them if they had like made it off the island or something because of the rainstorm and stuff. And maybe he knew about that area and how it flooded and people couldn't get out. But as soon as he said he didn't need a boat that he was already on the island, I was like, okay, he's definitely in on it. Um, and then once Dylan was confirmed, not a police officer, like, what did you think then? Yeah, when that happened, I was like, okay, no shocker there. We know Ruthie wasn't alone. So she was shocked about the other notes that were being leave, uh, left around. So I mean, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it kind of just confirmed my theory. Like, I mean, not that it was a theory at that point. It basically was happening as I was reading it. But I was like, okay, he said he didn't need a boat. He's definitely in on it. And then he said, I'm not a police officer. I was like, okay, you're definitely the killer. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, um, let's see. Page 208. So just a couple pages later, Dylan has a connection with Brendan, who was the other student from Bowdoin College that was suspected of kill killing Emily. And again, I don't have the page number, but around the same time, we find out 
out that Dylan and Ruthie were sort of working together, but Dylan actually went rogue. Yeah, um, when that was revealed, I just felt like there was a lot going on. I mean, we've already gotten the twist about Ruthie, then we got the twist about Dylan and the fake cop. So I was just gripping to hold on at this point. Yeah, I, I understand because it was kind of like a lot revealed at the same time. And this is one of those books that just have like multiple twists. And then like, as you're getting the twists, like you can't even keep up with them. But then you didn't need to because then other twists happen later. <laughs> it was just like, what am I reading? Um, Yeah, explaining how everyone was connected and how and why people were connected. And who really did what it was making my head spin. I was just frantically making notes like please keep up with this. Okay, and this is when revealed on page 229 that Ruthie was writing a book about Emily that supposedly she was like her best friend and she was writing the book notes. So those portions were written by Ruthie, the fiance that was get that was engaged. Um, what did you think about that? Yeah, so um, I think at this point, I wasn't as shocked because I'm like, I've had all these twists coming at me and I'm like, okay, what's another one, right? <laughs> um, but I just wish that this one had a little bit more meaning. Um, at this point, I felt a little bit under underwhelmed, I guess you can say, because I wanted it to have more emotion as to like why she's seeking for the truth when it comes to Emily. More than just, I'm writing a book. Yeah, I think if we would have found out earlier that those were from her POV and we went into it knowing that it was Ruthie, then we could have built up like, ooh, why is she writing this about Emily? Why is she so invested? And then when we, in the book, when we found out that it was her, that's when it could have been revealed like why she had this big connection with Emily. I thought that would have been a better way to handle it and would have made me more invested. But as it stands, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice touch. Um, I just wish it would have happened earlier. Um, on page 338 to 339, Will thought all of this time that he was the one that killed Emily. So he is the man that was engaged, that the engagement party. So he thought he had killed Emily. But in fact, Emily died by drowning. And Cassie was the one who put Emily in the water. So it was actually Cassie who killed Emily. <laughs> okay, thoughts? I actually really like this part because you get the emotion out of Will. Again, just for me personally, I feel like I didn't get a lot of depth or emotion from the characters. So just to see this part of Will, I really enjoyed it. I knew it wasn't going to be straightforward. So I was open to anything at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> More twists, just keep them coming. Yep, just just keep coming. Okay, so they do keep coming cuz on page 349 to 350, we find out that Ruthie is not Ruthie and that Dylan Richer is actually a woman. Like that's what the police had like told us that Dylan was actually a woman. And then we're like, okay, so this isn't making sense because it was definitely Ruthie was like a female and then you know Dylan was a guy portrayed to the people that were stranded there. So Dylan's real identity is Emily's brother, Vince. And Ruthie's real identity, she's really Dylan. <laughs> and even saying that now, I'm like, how does it work? <laughs> Please. I know. I'm confused just by breaking it down, even though I already know how it went. I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> why did I get that they were trying to throw like another twist? But I'm like, honestly, but what did you think? <laughs> 
yeah, honestly, we didn't need another one. <laughs> um, but I'll be honest, I didn't catch the connections in the beginning when they were dropping out the, the very, very subtle hints. Um, nor do I remember anything that happened that Emily or that she had a brother. So I was like, whoa, what did I miss? Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, I could sure. see you being totally confused at that point. Like, what? Um, I remembered back in Chapter 5, it said that Emily had twin brothers almost four years younger. But I don't, like, remember them ever being mentioned again, okay? And so the identity switch thing got me real confused because earlier it said that Dylan had a connection with Brendan, the other student from the college that was suspected of killing Emily. So does that mean that Emily had a connection with him or Vince did? Maybe Vince. And then maybe somehow they talked and I don't know. I'm telling you, this book made me very confused, very lost. I appreciate a good twist, but just sometimes when it's like, when is enough? They knew, like they all went to college together. The only one that, there was only one that didn't. So everybody else went to college together. So I'm thinking if they knew this Brendan kid, because they had also talked about this time on the bridge with Brendan and all this other stuff, like all, all this other drama. But I'm thinking, okay, they knew Brendan, so they would know they would recognize this person, right? Who had a connection with him. Like I'm thinking like, so it, it kind of was either like a mess up and they added the twist at the end. Like, I don't know. All I know is it got too messy for me. We're at the end of the book now. What did you think about the ending, the whodunit and the explanation of why? Okay. So again, as much as I appreciate the twist upon the twist sometimes, I think at this point I just didn't care because it was so much. Um, and I do feel like Emily was uh, not giving it enough depth for me to care as to why she was murdered. I really wanted to feel like I wanted to solve this mystery. And I think towards the end, I was just maybe a little bit underwhelmed. Yeah, I understand that. The whole time, Will thought he killed Emily. And only Will and Cassie knew that. But in fact, that Cassie put Emily in the water and that's what killed her. I thought it was odd that Cassie never told her husband that Will was the one that did it. I just thought that was a little strange. Like, I would definitely tell my husband. <laughs> I know. It's been 12 years. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Like, I don't know. But final thoughts. Um, What could have made it better? Or is there anything else you want to touch on? Yeah. I mean, I think that maybe if the characters were written to be a little bit more likable and for us to know why it was so important to solve Emily's mystery, I think would have been great. I think as you stated earlier, maybe giving the twist a little bit earlier and us trying to build that emotion as to why she's reading this book would have been very helpful. And um, yeah, I mean, because it didn't really say that they were all close even. It was just like, Emily was a random girl at their school that died. Like, that's yeah. what they made it feel like sometimes. Like, yeah. they didn't have, yeah. They didn't talk about, like, the good old times with Emily. Remember that one time we went to the bonfire with Emily? No, there was none of that. <laughs> so it was just like Emily was this, like, throwaway character anyway. Like, you know. 
But I will say it has all of the familiar tropes, isolated setting, a group of close friends who are bound by secrets and past trauma. They're lured to an island for revenge. There's an approaching storm. It offers a few shocks, but they're short-lived. And ultimately, there's plenty of closed circle mystery books that do it better. Um, okay, so what's your final rating? And how did you enjoy the book overall? Um, I rated this book three stars. I enjoyed the atmosphere and how it started the deaths as well. Um, but after a while, I just started feeling like cabin fever with all the different characters popping up throughout the story. They just started bleeding into each other. So because of how I, I guess how they were written, they were very similar to me. Yeah, if you don't feel attached to the characters, it's hard to keep going and care. <laughs> <laughs> so I rated this story three stars as well. I did appreciate how Kane used each character's perspective to build the tension as they were all covering something up and eventually all their secrets bled out. She took a classic plot and mixed in social media with the text messaging and kind of like things like that um, to create a modern twist. However, I think some of the twists felt like overkill and they were a bit too dramatic for my personal taste. Basically, you'll be entertained while reading but then after you read it you're easily gonna forget it too so that's a wrap on our discussion of the engagement party by darby kane but now let's hear what you had to say hi my name is jesse and i am giving this book two stars i felt like it was kind of slow pace but it was a fast read because of the short chapters I felt like some of the reveals and the reasoning behind everything was a little outlandish. I typically don't like the and then there were none trope, but I could not miss out on an opportunity to buddy read this with the podcast. Hi, Gwen. This is Kelsey or Essentially Booked. And I read The Engagement Party in the early part of December and it was exactly what I needed. Just a fun, fast paced thriller. I was comping it as a comparison to A Secret History and The Last Word by Taylor Adams because both involve like, one involves like a locked room, locked house type thriller, which this is Locked Island. And then The Secret History like badly behaved and made bad choices and you didn't like a single one of them, which always works for me. So I really enjoyed it. I gave it 3.75 stars, which is really good for me for a thriller. And I read it in a day, if that says anything, because it was so fast paced. So I loved it. Thanks so much for reading and discussing the book with me, Stephanie. That was such a good, fun discussion. It was a fun time. I loved um, having this experience. So just that alone makes it worth it for sure. Yeah, thank you so much. Talk Bookish to Me is a bi-weekly podcast bringing you book discussions, recommendations, and literary topics galore. Follow me on Instagram at Talk Bookish Podcast. Rate and review the podcast on Apple and Spotify. The link for Patreon is in the show notes, along with links for Stephanie's social media. Until next time, happy reading.